Welcome to Kids Read Radio, the official podcast for FVRL Kids, a great place to discover reading picks and more. Hello, my name is Brian, and I'm with Fraser Valley Regional Library. Welcome to Kids Read Radio podcast. We're celebrating Summer Reading Club 2021, and today I'm talking to SRC performer and First Nations storyteller. Kung Jade. She's also the author of the children's books Raven's Feast, Gifts from Raven, Haida Nation, and We Are Home. Kung Jade, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. Thank you for talking to me. So we'd like to get to know you a little bit better and learn about Indigenous storytelling. Can you tell me how you became interested in storytelling as an art form and a career? How do you become a storyteller? I I became a storyteller when my eldest child started kindergarten. We were living in Victoria at the time, and um, I was attending university. And I remember, because my eldest is the, he's the eldest of three kids. And I thought, there's my big boy going to school. He's grown up so much, but then he walked into his classroom doors and he shrunk to this little baby that I wanted to scoop up and run away with because I realized upon entry that there were only two Indigenous kids in the entire school and the other one was in grade seven. And I remembered what it was like when I started kindergarten up in Masset on the northern end of Haida Gwaii, and it was an armed forces school. And those children were given misinformation about who we were as Haida Indigenous people. And um, they used to bully me in groups of 17 or or all the way down to two uh, anytime they wanted. And uh, they said the most horrible things about who I was. So, you know, I felt horrible inside and I hated myself and I wished I'd never been born. I, I wished I was born anything else except for Haida. And um, I felt that way even in, until the day my son started kindergarten. But at that moment, something inside me snapped. I realized I no longer had permission to be ashamed of who I was. Because if I felt shame, then my children will learn that shame. And so I brought in my button rope made by my great grandmother for my high school graduation and I talked about how she presented it to me in front of my whole town at my high school graduation ceremony and how she has over a hundred grandchildren and great-grandchildren. I'm very fortunate to be one of the eldest great-grandchildren so I have a robe made by her hands but my two younger siblings don't have this. So when I finished telling that story about my robe and my great-grandmother and I showed the rope to the classroom, those, the other students in my son's class looked at my son and said, you are so lucky. And my little boy sat up so tall with a big smile on his face from ear to ear. And I remember thinking, oh, that's why I have to do this. I have to do this for him. Right. And the whole school of teachers lined up outside the door and they dragged me into their classes and then they passed my name on to other, you know, teachers in other schools. And next thing you know, I was performing across town and in other school districts, and then across the province, and then across the country. 
So it started out with just me wanting to just educate my son and his peers, but it sort of ballooned into this really big thing that I'm glad I didn't know it was going to happen at the time. (laughs) That's a great story. Thank you for sharing that. And uh, it's interesting that you talk about, is it your grandmother's rope or your great-grandmother? My great-grandmother made the rope for me. It's my rope. Yes, and you uh, you show the robe in one of your videos for Summer Reading Club. So yeah, um, it's wonderful and beautiful. Thank you. Thank you. She was eighty six when she made it. It took her about six months to make that, and um, other women in my in my family would have helped her to sew those sequins and buttons on. Wow, that's amazing. But it was a secret. She didn't tell me. <laughs> that's a really wonderful gift. Yeah. Um, I'm wondering, who are your influences? Are there any other storytellers or writers who have inspired you? Yeah, so one of my mom's younger brothers, uh, he was a storyteller, and he was a cheeky storyteller. He was, um, you know, we're we're Raven clan. You know, my mom is Raven. That's why I'm Raven. And her her brother is also Raven. We're all the same family. And he had been performing for many years, but he used to call me up when he came to Victoria and, and said, niece, uh, I'm going to be telling stories and um, performing over here in this place. So bring your whole family, bring your drum uh, and come down. And uh, so I went, he only gave me like half an hour notice. And um, he would do things like call me up, beckon me over. Mm-hmm. And I'd be like, yes, I get to sing and drum with my uncle. And I, so I'd bring my drum, I was so happy. And uh, then he would introduce me to the audience and he'd say, now my niece is going to entertain you with this story. And I'm like, "Ah." there'd be like 200 people, which was a lot for me. I was like, I don't have a story, uncle. What story am I going to tell? And he would tell me what to tell, like the story of my drum. And, uh, you know, I remember leaving out a part thinking he wouldn't notice. He was so busy changing his regalia. But he was listening very carefully mm-hmm. and he said, ah, ah, ah. And then he reminded me of what I forgot. But he'd speak in our language and I'd be like, oh, he caught me. <laughs> I can't is, get away with it. <laughs> is, that, is that where you learned your stories from your uncle? In a way, yes. A big way. He taught me a lot of stories, but then he, he also taught me by demonstrating how how he told stories. When he was telling Raven stories, he would make Raven speak and he would change his voice. And, you know, he changed his, his, even the way his body moved, you know, like he'd be on the microphone and he would start moving around as if he were a Raven. And uh, it was really awesome to see because he would also sing and drum as well, or use his rattle. And of course he had, he had really wonderful regalia for you know, for the Squamish ancestry mm-hmm. and the Haida ancestry, because we belong to both. And um, he used a lot of the language. So he really set an example. He was quite a role model for me. Uh, sadly, he passed away a few years ago, um, just a few months before the pandemic started. Um, and But I'm so grateful that I got to spend some time with him and I got to actually thank him for being my uncle and teaching me so much because he came to a performance that I let him know I was performing at, but he showed up when it was all over. (laughs) 
typical raven fashion. <laughs> Is that typical raven fashion? <laughs> well, that's that's wonderful. And I know that you now have this really big repertoire of many great stories. Uh, do you have a favorite story that you like to perform in front of an audience? Originally, I really loved performing the the berry picker in the moon or the moon woman story. Um, I really, that was like my signature story for a while. And, um, but then in 2016, I got to publish Raven's Feast and uh, that became a favorite. And I really like that one because it actually brings all the nations of the world together right. in one place. And it talks about how we all have something to share. We all have our own gifts and uh, we're valuable in this world. And it also talks about, like when I perform it especially, I really uh, talk about how it's important for us to love ourselves right. uh, because our world needs more love. And so I share that too. So it, it has become my absolute favorite now. Mm. And uh, you read and perform The Raven's Feast in one of your SRC videos. And uh, I really enjoyed watching it. And I noticed that we also have it in the Fraser Valley Regional Library collection. So anybody can sign it out if they want to. That's awesome. So I was also wondering, what do you do when you're not performing? Other than storytelling, do you have any other interests or hobbies that keep you busy? Yes, I, um, I love writing little notes or postcards or cards. It used to be letters, but now it's postcards or cards to like a hundred of my friends. And I've done this for many years, actually. I was just a young woman when I started doing this. I, I used to get upset that they didn't often respond right. until he's now my ex-husband. He uh, said, well, why don't you think about it as, you know, you're putting a little bit of happiness in someone's mailbox. Because people go to their mailbox or they go to check their mail and there's like junk mail, there's bills. Okay, this was before online banking. And um, what? I've got real mail here? This is, a, this is a postcard. So think about spreading the joy to all these people. So some people write back and they say, I'm so sorry I didn't respond. And I'm like, just enjoy it. This is my hobby. And I'll tell them about the most boring, dull things in my life. Like, oh, I baked cookies today. <laughs> which is another thing I love to do is I love to bake. Sadly, I also love to eat them. <laughs> I get it. In the same way. <laughs> I think that's really wonderful about postcards because even today in our age of digital communications, it's so, it's so nice to open up your mailbox and receive something physical there. That's yeah. And, and sometimes I get a feeling, you know, like when some of my friends are needing extra support and I, you know, I might forget because, you know, I just like to say I have a pandemic brain. I haven't I haven't had COVID. OK, touch wood. I, uh, I just don't have the capacity that I used to have uh, before the pandemic happened. So I might be sending a whole bunch of notes to a certain friend and they'll send me a message later and say, Thank you so much for sending those notes. It really helped me. I was having a rough patch, you know, like whatever happened, you know, kind of thing, uh, you know, and it just seemed like one after the other. And they said this really brightened up every single day. So oh. I like doing that. 
That's nice. And I mean, it has been a really difficult year for many people. So I think that's lovely to get that little surprise in the mail. It's really wonderful. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much for talking to me today. I have one more question. It's a very important question. As you may know, the theme of this year's Summer Reading Club is Crack the Case, which is all about mysteries. And so we would like to know, in your opinion, what is the most mysterious vegetable and why? I think this is a very interesting question, really, because I had to really think about this one. And I'm like, oh, is it going to be asparagus? And I'm like, no, it's not asparagus. And I'm like, oh, it's going to be this. And I'm like, oh, like, I thought eggplant. And I thought, no, it's not eggplant either. It's Swiss chard. <laughs> wow. And I think it's Swiss chard because my neighbors just recently gave me like a jumbo bag of Swiss chard. Mm-hmm. And I thought, okay, it's just me right now in my place. Um, my partner's going to show up on Friday, but um, and they were saying, well, you could make all this food and you could surprise Noel. And I'm like, well, he's not back for camp from camp for two weeks, so I don't think it's going to keep until then. But I took half of it and I chopped it all up. It took me a long time, you know, like to, I wanted to chop the um, the stock really finely because my recipe said so because it's quite woody it said so I did that I was very careful so this giant you know pan full of Swiss chard cooked down to this tiny little bit yeah (laughs) it reduces a lot yeah so I mean that's all I ended up eating for my dinner the other (laughs) night because it was a lot I think the mystery here is first of all what to do with all the Swiss chard And then how does so much Swiss chard become such a small amount of cooked vegetables, right? Yes. (laughs) I think that is a great answer. Thank you. You're welcome. I think the other part of the answer could be, and how on earth could Swiss chard taste so good? (laughs) Do you like it? Yeah, I really did like it. Good. I think you have to know how to cook it so it's not bitter, right? Yes. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, I I used some onion, and then I just seasoned it with salt and pepper. Well, it sounds delicious to me and healthy. Too bad I can't eat like that every day. (laughs) Yeah, cooking is a chore. Kung Jade, thanks so much for talking to me. Take care, and I hope that everyone tunes into your performances for Summer Reading Club 2021. Thank you so much. How ah, uh, thank you. Chen Kwan Man thank you. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to our show. Remember, the library is always open. Check out the digital content tab on our website for fun stuff for kids.